Blog Talk Radio. forgot to put it on hold for a second, but welcome to episode 27 of Real Travels. I'm your host, Lisa Iannucci, and on today's show, I have an awesome interview with Brian Rooney, the project manager of the MASH site at the Malibu Creek State Park in California. He and I talk about the park and what MASH fans can expect to see. We also talk about the movie versus the TV show, so a lot of fun going on. But before we get to that, it is Oscars night, and as I'm posting this, I have a funny feeling I'm going to be wrong about a lot of my predictions, but I'm still going to watch. Are you? Make sure you tell me if your predictions came true and if some of your favorites won their awards. Uh, In case you missed it, you could check out my Twitter feed at Virgin Traveler for one of my Real Travels magazine articles, Travel Destinations, inspired by this year's Oscar-nominated films. It's an article that tells you where you can visit if you're fans of Quentin Tarantino's movie or, you know, The Joker. Yes, there are sites you can see if you're a fan of The Joker. So check that out. And if you can't find it on my Twitter page or realtravels.com site, uh, magazine.com site, I'll put a link in the show notes for you. So, so I have wanted to talk about MASH for quite some time. So we're going to jump right into the theme of the week. But before we do that, I'm actually going to bring in somebody to talk to me about Matt. Oh, the Lighthouse Correspondent. (laughs) He is the Lighthouse Correspondent. He is also my husband, Jay Gar. Yeah. And the reason why I'm bringing him in is because he loves MASH as much as I do. And I wanted to have a little bit of fun with him and talk to him about uh, the the show that we basically have on in this house almost every single day, right? Yeah, we do. Basically, well, time to get ready for bed. <laughs> Let's put it on for at least an hour before we hit the hay. And yeah, you know, we fall asleep to a war show. We talk about that all the time. <laughs> yeah, you know, and it's funny because it's not like we put it on because it bores us and we want to go to sleep. It's just it relaxes us. It makes us laugh. Comfort. It's, it's comfort zone. It yeah. is. It's like putting on I Love Lucy for me yeah. or some other show. And a blanket. And a blanket. Yeah. <laughs> Well, interestingly, and I don't know if you know this, uh, because it is Academy Awards night, but the movie MASH was nominated for multiple Academy Awards in 1971. Now, it came out 50 years ago. Yeah, which which shocks you because you you didn't love the movie. And and a lot of us saw, like for me, I I saw the movie first, and then MASH came out a couple years later, and it was just so different. Like, it's amazing the humor, how it changed, and... How everything, Alan Alda changed the whole Hawkeye role and oh, made, it, made it his own, right? I mean, I agree, absolutely. And yeah, and I, and I do talk about this a little bit later about how I felt about the movie. But it's funny because you said you saw the movie first. Yeah. And when I was growing up, I never knew there was a movie yeah. until later. Right. I, because I was always watching television. 
and I knew of the TV show, and we didn't have internet back then, kids. Yeah. So I didn't know that the show was based off of a movie. Yeah, you, you couldn't just Google MASH back in 1970. No, <laughs> no. Google, if, if you went up to somebody and said the word Google, they yeah. would think that you were losing yeah, it. Yeah, or you're going to tickle them or something. Yeah, yeah I'm going to exactly. Google you. Wait, what? <laughs> exactly. You're going to Google me. Don't so, touch me. <laughs> <laughs> so that the movie, I'm just going to tell you really quick. It was nominated for five Academy yeah, Awards, yeah. Best Picture. Do you happen to know what it lost to? Do you remember? In what year? Seventy one. Seventy one. Wow. Godfather. Oh no, oh. but it was Patton. Oh wow. Patton kind oh, wow. of left a lot of awards All that right. year. Seventy two is Godfather, maybe. Maybe I'm not too sure, yeah. but they also lost for Best Director. Oh man. Best Supporting Actress, uh, Sally Kellerman yeah. was uh, nominated, yeah. but she lost to Helen Hayes for Airport, and Best Film Editing also lost to Patton. Oh, but it man. did win for Best Adapted Screenplay. Uh, so it took home an award. All right. It did take home an award. Something. Now, it also sparked the television series that you and I have come to know and love, yeah. and this show is too short to talk about the Emmys that it received, but let's have a little bit of fun, and let's talk a little bit about what you loved about the show, why it became a hit for yeah, you. Yeah, I think all of us feel the same way about the Potterisms. I mean, even you and me still walk around going, buffalo bagels, <laughs> uh, you know, uh, I mean, it's, uh, and horse hockey, and I mean, it wasn't even just case. You know, the ones that everyone recognizes, the ones you notice when you watch it more often. You're like, I never heard him say that one. You still kind of catch him once in a while. Potterism. Potterism. Uh, I mean, it's just the Potterism. Okay, wait, wait, wait. Before you go on about the Potterisms, you have to do your impression of Colonel Potter. What do you mean? Just anything. uh, What about when when Klinger was doing a Sherman T. Potter? (laughs) (laughs) I love it. I love it. You know, I thought it was cool, too. You always notice the Korean actor who played the next Korean actor who played in the next Korean yep. actor. He was always the same guy. Yeah. It was like the two Korean actors that we all know. Sometimes he understood he was perfect. He was a doctor in a couple episodes. Yep. And then he was with, uh, when they were trading um, prisoners, he was yeah. in that episode. Like, he spoke perfect English, and he did a great job. Remember, he was the one who almost killed Hawkeye when he was, uh, when he came across the body when Hawkeye was yeah. on vacation, too. Acted like he didn't speak a lick of English. Yeah, and it's funny because I think he played both a good guy and yeah. like a an yeah, enemy, a North Korean and, yeah. and, and, and a doctor on our side even. And I, I, yeah. I like how you said because every time you we watch it, we pick up something yeah. we didn't see before. Right. A character that yep. we didn't see before is being on, you know, multiple episodes yeah. or something like that. And for me also, you know, we talked about Hollis and Hulahan. Mm-hmm. Basically, outside of her and Kelly, those are the two nurses you recognize. Uh, maybe um, Gabe Kaplan's wife, who was down yeah, for the first couple yeah. years. But but overall, you don't think of 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 Bash and any of the nurses outside of Hot Lips. It's weird. Like, even though Kelly was there the whole time. Yeah. Um. Otherwise, there wasn't like a lot of nurses that you remember from Mash because there weren't many. Like they came and went. Literally came and went more often yeah. than the, obviously Hulahan sucked. But you know the dynamic between BJ and Hawkeye and Trapper. And Hawkeye, for me, was another thing, because I love Trapper. Yeah. Trapper John was great. Their, yeah. their humor with monkey outfits and the way they had, they had a blast. I mean, him and BJ had a different dynamic, and I, yeah. and, and I like that dynamic, too. Obviously, getting to the end of them saying goodbye to each other was, was, was heartfelt and all that, and BJ was probably the better actor, but, but I, 
Chad, man. So speaking of favorite actors, though, like who was your favorite actor? Well, you gotta go. Well, for me it was Trapper. But with, it wasn't Colonel Potter. With ha- no, it was Trapper with Hawkeye. I, I loved okay. the, those two. Hawkeye obviously was the only one who ever lived and stayed in the swamp the whole time. I mean, he had a lot of people yeah. come and go. Obviously, Winchester came and went. Yeah. And Frank Burns came and went. And there's another dynamic with the two majors that came and went. And then obviously the BJ and Trapper who came and went. Ah. Hawkeye was always there. I know? prefer uh, Hawkeye and BJ yeah. versus Hawkeye and Trapper. See, I'm the other way. Yep. Why do you like there? I don't know. Um, I, I really. BJ was a better actor. I, I, I think I he was a better actor. I like the, their comedy. I like their little bit of competition between the two of them that yeah. kind of lasted. The one yeah. episode where they do who who tells a better joke. Yeah. You know, with the, with the, the bird. bird. What do you have? Is that all you do? Bird, bird imitation. <laughs> So, okay, so we know who your favorite characters yeah. are, and do you have a favorite episode? The last one, really, even though Hawkeye has lost a little bit of his marbles there at the end and they depicted it as much, neither uh, one of us were a fan of how they wrote that part of that whole story. But the final episode and just Sherman being Sherman and the way everyone looked at him, and obviously uh, um, hands goodbye to him and how what a sweet man he was. Sherman was probably the he was probably the best actor in the entire series as a whole. I mean, you can go back to the shows he was in in the sixties and seventies. I mean, oh my God, he was in yeah. a lot of great TV shows yeah. way before Mass. And obviously, he even played two roles in Mass. Remember, he showed he was a general. Yeah. He was a crazy general. And then he, <laughs> and then he came back as Colonel Potter. And then he comes back with a demotion. Yeah, almost. Well, for a whole different character, though. So yep. It was a whole different character. It was. It was. And the swamp, too. Anything that happened in the swamp, you know, you look around. When I love the overhead view. When you see the hospital, the swamp, a couple of tents and all that kind of stuff, but yet there were 50 people there. Where did everyone yeah. stay? Yeah. <laughs> because there were 50 people running around that place, and you saw, like, eight tents. And if one of them is the big hospital, then there's the swamp and the latrine and the and – the, where they eat and all that. Where did everyone sleep? Like yeah. <laughs> where did you put 50 people? But I love their actual scene where they really, really were. Because that's such a gorgeous, great way to make um, a backdrop for, for a mass type of movie where a Korean movie. I, I You know, they, they, I love that little mountain pick, to that, uh, the spot that they picked on that mountain there that depicts that they were in Korea. I think they did yeah. a great job of making it look like they were coming and going from a Korean destination in Korea, yet they were in the heart of California. Yeah, they yeah. were at Malibu Creek State Park, which yeah. I'm actually going to, in a minute or so here, get into my interview with Brian. But um, i got to tell you, one of my favorite episodes, uh, I actually have two of them, uh, but one of them is when Hawkeye gets the – when they all get the flu except for Hawkeye. Yep. And Hawkeye gets the flu at the end. Yeah, at the end. And I don't know why that's one of my favorite episodes, yeah. But I I love that episode. And I, I was just going to say, my other one that I love is when um, Sherman Potter's wife, um, wife pays off the, the mortgage. mortgage. And they burned it. Yeah. And they hid it from him and yep. they put the, the gate around his whole yep. uh, tent. And you know what? The best one for me was, and I think it, it kind of really should bring someone in who, no, he never gets mentioned. Jamie Farr, yeah. outside of the whole girl thing and dressing like a girl to get out of the army, Section 8 and all that. He was a pretty great actor too. Yeah. And and a lot of the things that when when the guy who died was was talking to him and nobody and, else and no one else it. could see it and and yet and remember how how it affected Hot Lips when she got into the thing she kicked yep. the garbage and he was right there. Yeah. Like talking to her but yet not talking to her she never even knew he was there because he wasn't yeah. there. 
But yet, that, and that I think Jamie Farr has had a lot of great moments on that show that he didn't get credit for because everyone just thinks of him as trying to be a loony and get out of there. But yet, when he actually was in scenes where he was acting and being like a part of the of the whole storyline, he was great. I, I, I loved him, I, and I think right. he was underestimated because he always had a cigar in his mouth. When he was too army and being like a true army guy, wearing green and being in the army, I, I yeah. liked him a lot. Yeah. You know, so I, I just that that might have been my favorite one where the, where the guy was dead and kind of only. Uh, yeah, only that's really good because then to this day you still question: Did he dream all of right? that, and they just don't remember that particular patient, or did that yeah. particular patient, yeah. you know, yeah. not exist? Well, yeah, well, yeah, 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 that's what I mean. Did he dream it, yeah. or do they just not remember right? that patient? Is, is that what it does to your mind? Yeah. You never know what goes to your mind out there when you're there for, even though it was only a few years of a battle, they were there for 11 seasons or something. Yeah, right? yeah. <laughs> Long time to put a show out, but yeah, great show. I, it Nash is one show. of the best shows ever written. You know, I mean, for our generation at least. I mean, yeah. if you don't know Mash, it's, you know, if, you, if you're not, 45 to 55 years old, you know, <laughs> you might not know Mash as well as we do, but we, exactly. you know, but you should really take the time to look into a show like that because it's a fantastic show and it's time, it's not time sensitive. Like you can watch Mash yeah. in 10, 15 more years and still be like, oh yeah, that was Mash, you know. like That, that is true. And, and uh, that's one of the things I like about it is a lot of humor is not necessarily just made for yeah. that particular time period that even though there's some there's some war humor in it yeah and mistake and mistaking humor with but like being on a phone like right. that, that they had a they had a wind and drive to be able to get to a communication <laughs> to another communication to another right. communication like communicating back then was impossible yeah you know yeah. <laughs> like it, how easy it is today and what i love is the fact that we could actually sit here and probably have done this entire podcast yeah. with me and you yeah. talking about yeah. what we love. Oh, yeah. But I do need to get to our my interview for the week. Thanks for having me. Oh, honey, thanks for being on yeah, the show. I love talking me. to you yeah, about yeah. Mash. And my interview of the week this week, as I mentioned to you, is Brian Rooney, and he is the project manager of the filming location that EJ and I were talking about. Before we get to that, just in case you do want to follow my Virgin Traveler Lighthouse correspondent, hey. he's on Twitter at EJ Speaks. And you can follow his his uh, sports writing and, and podcast, yeah. all the fun stuff yeah. over there. So thank you once again for being on the show. Thank you. <laughs> one more, one more, Sherman. Sherman, T. R. I love that, guys. I live with that. I live with that. Whenever <laughs> we got a laugh, I live with that. <laughs> so anyway, um, I'd like you to enjoy the interview that I had with Brian Rooney. On this week's episode of Real Travels, my guest is Brian Rooney, who's the project manager of the MASH filming site at Malibu Creek State Park in California. And I'm so excited that I finally have someone to talk about my obsession with MASH. Welcome to the show, Brian. Thank you, Lisa. Well, tell me a little bit, how does somebody become a project manager of the MASH filming site at Malibu Creek State Park? Well, that's, that's fairly easy. The site had been left unattended for uh, about 25 years because it is a, it is a um, mandate or, or a basic directive of state and national parks typically to let nature take its course in the park setting. And so they don't go in and trim away brush and cut down trees or, or manage, basically manage foliage at a site. So, but because of that, 
after Fox stopped filming there, uh, the site started to you know basically regenerate itself and to come back as a fuller uh, uh, foliage environment essentially. So what used to be a big flat open plain where they set up all the tents and buildings and shot the shot the TV series, and of course the the movie before that. Um, had become feral, basically. It had returned to nature, and there was this large line of brush that was about 60-some uh, feet long, maybe 70 feet long, and 15 feet high and about 15 feet deep that ran just by Mother Nature's uh, dictation through the middle of that big open plain where the set was. And it blocked off everything. Um, and you couldn't see, you couldn't see in your mind's eye where stuff was. And it was, and we had hundreds of visitors at that time. And, and granted, this is, you know, pre-2003, basically. Um, yeah, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, pre-2008. Um, we had hundreds of visitors a year coming from all over, the, all over the world, making the long walk out there and being disappointed because there was nothing to see. And so when I found out about all these people coming out, and leaving and being disappointed and realizing that this was a cultural site of some magnitude because the show remained very popular, I talked state parks into letting me clear the excess brush away. And, and when that happened and we announced that it had happened and we put some rudimentary displays up out there, all of a sudden the, the crowd started to descend. And it went from a few hundred people a year to now about 4,000 people a month. Um, wow. which is fairly which is fairly significant because it is a usually about an hour walk from the parking lot in the park, and it's that's not like you're getting out of your car and walking two minutes and seeing Niagara Falls. This is a hour long walk basically each way, and now there's a bridge that washed out, and so now you have to walk across a log to reach over water to reach the mash set. So, oh so to answer your question, yeah. So to answer your question, uh, when state parks just basically gave me the go ahead, and and it turned into this whole new movement for the park, and all these new visitors were coming, and they were getting praise in the media and all the type of stuff. They just said, Rooney, keep going, and they just basically said, you're the you're the site manager now. Go for it. So it was it's been wow, a volunteer dude. position, yeah. There's so much that in that that I want to ask you about, but I need to start with the log. Are they going to fix the bridge? <laughs> yes, the bridge is going to be fixed, but here is the challenge with the state of California, especially Southern California. We don't have a lot of water in Southern California. It is a desert environment. Therefore, every creek, every waterway down here is heavily protected. We have been told uh, uh, the volunteer group has been told that because there are at least five and possibly six different government agencies involved with overseeing the park area and the waterway, Malibu Creek, that cuts through the park and right past field set and it and involves the bridge, that it could be at least seven years before that bridge is fixed. So the volunteer group uh, is working diligently to try to figure out a temporary solution uh, to get visitors across that waterway right there. And it's possible, it's very likely that during heavy rain, because during the wintertime, we will occasionally, the, the creek will occasionally rise from, say, you know, uh, two or three feet of water up to 10 feet of water. 
during those heavy water times, we will have to close access down. It will be too dangerous to get people across, but that would be better still than having to walk across a log and having to balance across a log. Yes, that would absolutely be better. So while right. they work on all of that, and, and we're still going to talk about the, um, the park and, and the show and all of that, and then I suggest that if people listen to this and they want to go, I'm guessing that they would check for updates on your site as to how this bridge is being taken care of. Would you recommend right, that? Right, exactly. Right. If you go, okay. in fact, if you go to the MalibuCreekStatePark.org website, which I run, also as a volunteer duty, uh, uh, and you click on the mash page, which is right there on the main menu up front, uh, you'll see you'll see a, a, a nice warning regarding the fact that the bridge is out, and that you know pretty decent balance is required to be able to get to the mash site currently. So if you're elderly or very young, or you're you know, like for example, in a wheelchair, there's not, there's no way we can get you there right now. So, um, so so that's going to be happening. But yes, you'll you'll receive there'll be updates on the on the on the mash page on the state park website. Good to know. And you do this, you say voluntarily. And yes, I'm guessing that you started out as a fan of the movie or the show or both. Tell me a little bit about that. Sure. Um, it's it's funny. There there were then and still remain far bigger MASH fans than I. Uh, I really wasn't a regular watcher of the show and still until I jumped into this project. Um, as soon as I cleared the, I cleared the set because I was one of three people who back in, I think, 2006 uh, was leading a, a very widely advertised public tour of the filming uh, history of the park. And when we, when we put that in the LA times, we didn't know who was going to show up and 300 people showed up. And as we found out, the majority of them were there to see the mash set. Um, now what happened was, is that because that was in the January and we had had a rain, uh, I think the, the previous week, the dirt trail had become so muddy the group was sinking in the mud, literally down like eight inches into the mud. This is not a small thing. Um, and when we and when we could not get to the mash set, you should have heard the cries of disappointment. And so at that point, I realized because I had not really been tracking this, the mash set was just one of several stops we were going to make. But but the 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 level of disappointment and not being able to get there was so profound. I I realized that something was happening here. And then I started digging in, uh, and it wasn't until years later that I found out that not only in the U.S. is MASH remaining very popular, but it's still airing in 35 countries around the globe, which is a, a staggering number given the fact that the show left the air over 40 years ago. Um, so in reruns, it is still playing globally in 35 countries, which is why people keep coming and why I keep seeing – visitors out there on a regular basis in sandals and socks indicating that they're from Europe, for example. So, Wow. And what do you think it is being that you, you may not be, like you said, the biggest MASH fan, but you've watched the show and the movie. And what do you think it is about the show or the movie that people still watch it? And I, I got to confess here, this is how I watch MASH, just so you know. Um, okay. I watch it every single day. I am not joking. Wow. 
I have. See, you're yeah, the well, person who should have done this restoration. <laughs> well, what happened is I grew up on the show. I did not see the movie until you and I decided to have this conversation. I had never gone okay. back and watched the actual movie. So I'd seen the show, grew up on the show. And now, like with DVR, um, when I had the Dish Network, I would DVR all of them. I also had all of the DVDs. And now it's on, like, Hulu, so you can go in anytime. It's like, yep. it's almost like, I, in, in a different way, what I Love Lucy is to me, where it's like comfort, even though it's weird because it's a war show and it's yes, you right. know, all these injuries. But it's like when I put it on, it's funny. It makes me laugh. I'm happy. And, you know, it's kind of relaxing. I don't have to watch all the other stuff that's on. And I, I always laugh at something all these years later. So that's right. me. Every single day, no joke, I watch at least one episode of MASH. Now, why do you think well, everybody you. else likes it as much as I do? Uh, I think that it has – and this, these are not my words. I read this someplace, and it just resonated with me, and I think it makes perfect sense. MASH is all about making do and trying to see the humor and the pathos and the humanity of a difficult situation. And that, Lisa, is life. Mm-hmm. Very true. And I think I Very think true. that's it. I really do. I mean, because if you're someplace where you don't want to be, and you're having to mentally and physically survive and try to find humor in it and laugh and be a family and all that, that's that is the human experience right there. I've always been the type of person that, in the worst moments, I turn to comedy. It's I mean, right. saying something funny or watching something funny, and it's a great way to cope. And I agree with you. I think that a lot of people look at this as, wow, look at how they coped in this horrible situation. Although there were moments where they couldn't cope and you saw right. certain characters fall apart, but then come yep. back. And, you know, so do you have in in your fan following, do you have – a favorite episode or a favorite character um, in, in all of this? Boy, great question. Uh, that's tough. I, 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 I would never label myself a super fan. My admiration uh, for the show has grown dramatically since I restored the set. And, and at that point, I really started watching the series. Uh, you know, uh, well, what, I, what I did as I watched the series for research purposes, and that's how I ended up. I watched it first, the entire DVD box set. I watched the entire set uh, to really gain an understanding so that I could better interpret the site, which is what uh, parks departments call public education. They call it interpretation, um, so that I could better tell the story of the site. I watched the entire series on DVD. And then I went back several more times and watched it for scenes that were shot on Fox ranch. And I went back again and I, and I watched it again, literally just listening for great lines because <laughs> I wanted to write down the great lines because I have compiled a bunch of my favorite lines and it's, we're waiting to rule this out uh, a audio recording of some of the funniest uh, camp announcements that we want to then put up speakers at the site and have one play, for example, every two or three minutes when visitors are out there, That's which we would love awesome. to do. 
Exactly. So awesome. imagine being at the mash set and hearing the audio. Every every couple of minutes, there's that uh, attention camp, da, 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 you know, something like that. That is awesome. I love that idea. And, and yeah. you know, speaking of the camp, too, like, you know, we've talked a little bit about what they can people can see um, in terms of, like, you know, you put up signage and stuff like that. But if I'm coming to the camp for – I call it yep. camp, but if I'm coming to the site for the first time – what what can I see there? I mean, it's not just land, right? I mean, there's going to be right. recognizable yep. things. Absolutely. Uh, the first thing you see is is uh, is a vintage Dodge ambulance uh, that has some paint on it, and it's worth noting that the that the vehicles that actually appeared on the TV show were caught in a fire during the filming of the last episode which is why there is a fire in that episode. There was a, there was a real wildfire that came through the park uh, in 1982 or 19, I think it was 82, um, when they were filming the last episode. And so the, the set was actually destroyed. A lot of people don't realize that, that what you saw in Goodbye, Farewell, and Amen was the real deal. That was a smoldering set that they ran out, then filmed, and then they had to rewrite the show a little bit. The two-and-a-half-hour finale had to be rewritten to... Uh, uh, to include the fact that the set was destroyed. So, so there are three vehicles out there. There's a vintage Jeep, there's a vintage ambulance, and a second vintage ambulance. The first one you're going to see has paint on it but did not appear in the TV show, but it is period-specific. And it has paint on it because it was, it was put out there about six years ago, and a fan donated it, and we just wanted something for people to stop and take pictures of you know, with the with the green paint and the big red cross and stuff like that. Um, so that's the first thing you'll see. The second thing you'll see is what we call a, a welcome panel, which is uh, there are now three brand new. They've only been out there for about a month. Uh, three uh, information panels on the TV show that are put in strategic locations so that the photographs on the panels you can stand there and see where the tents were exactly in the photographs. Uh, that that are that you're standing in front of. Um, so there are three of those, and each uh, actually two of the three uh, panels, actually all three of the panels, have a you are there uh, or you are here element to them. Like I said, where you can stand, and the angle of the main big photograph or the map that's on there is the angle where you are standing, and you can kind of see the set in front of you. Um, uh, so that's there. And there is also a 50-foot-long shade structure with a bunch of picnic tables underneath it. And uh, the shade structure was uh, paid for by proceeds from a book that I wrote. And so that was another volunteer project uh, because there is no natural shade at the set. And people were making the long walk on hot days and having no place to sit and relax. <laughs> it was killing me. So... I, I donated the $6,000 that was required and had the shade structure built so that people have a shady place to sit. And it's, and it's camouflage netting uh, over a wood structure intentionally so that it mirrors visually what you would have seen on the TV show. It's not metal. It's, like I said, basic wood. Um, it can be picked up and moved just like a mash set or just like a mash structure. But, like I said, the camo netting really helps give it that that uh, that vintage that vintage feels. So there's that. Uh, there's the three displays, the three vehicles, and the helipad is still there. So, and that's pretty much what's there now. Oh wow! Now, 
from what I understand, um, some of the cast members have been back to the uh, the site for an anniversary. I mean, can you talk to us a little bit about that? Sure. In 2008, uh, I actually started clearing the set in the summer of 2007 knowing that the 25th anniversary of the finale of the show was that following February. Um, and I couldn't have picked a worse time, obviously, to start clearing the set because California summers can get very hot. Uh, and so when I started clearing the set in summer, uh, there were times when I was curious because I felt noticeably lighter when I went home at the end of the day. And so because it took me 60 hours to clear the, the excess brush out there, uh, I started weighing myself a few times before I left in the morning, and when I came back, I had lost five pounds worth of water because I was sweating so much. Wow. So I thought, wow. that was, I, thought that, I thought that was fascinating that I could actually lose that much weight in water while working out there um, because you can feel it. When you lose five pounds in one day, you can feel it, let me tell you. <laughs> wow. I, can, um, I can't imagine yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a very interesting phenomenon. You can completely, you know that something has happened during the day and you feel completely different. <laughs> um, so, uh, I'm sorry, I, I totally lost track of the question. What was it again? We were talking about the uh, celebration. Yeah, yeah, sorry. Okay, okay. So, yeah, so when I cleared, uh, yeah, so when I cleared the, um, when I cleared all the excess brush away in February of 2008, uh, we put out a wide call for cast and crew and producers and directors, and I got very lucky because when the when the word went out, I found a sympathetic ear at the LA Times, and they did a story on the fact that the site had been now cleared and we were planning on a reunion uh, in a couple months. And they did enough a big enough story that the daughter of Charles Dubin, who directed more episodes of MASH than anyone else. I think one in four episodes was directed by a single individual. Uh, and that His daughter called me and said, I have my father's Rolodex of all the cast. Would you like me to make some calls for you? And I said, yes, please. <laughs> and she did. And because her father was so beloved among the cast, they showed up mostly for him and also because it was the 25th anniversary. Uh, so, um, so everyone that was handy and close and available came. Uh, Mike Farrell was there. Uh, the executive producers, uh, Gene Reynolds and Burt Metcalf, were there. Uh, William Christopher, who played Father Mulcahy, was there. Uh, let's see. Uh, Jeff Maxwell was there, who played Igor the Chef. Uh, Loretta Swit was there. Uh, the folks who couldn't make it, Alan is uh, a longtime uh, New Yorker and has planted himself there, and he wasn't going to fly 6,000 miles for this, which I understand. Uh, Gary Berghoff is up in Northern California and doesn't travel very much anymore, so he, he was staying put. Uh, uh, Jamie Farr was in New York doing a play, couldn't make it. But we had a pretty great uh, uh, assembly of, of cast and crew that was there, so... Um, and I'm certain there's other names that I'm forgetting, but those are the primary ones. That's Did awesome. I say Mike Farrell? Yeah, and, Mike, I'm sorry, Mike Farrell. Yes. Yeah, Mike, Mike Farrell was there too, yes. Yes. And um, so, you know, it, it, it's, <laughs> I actually want to talk because I know that we've talked so much about the, the TV show, but I, I want to ask you a question about the movie because yes. I, I'm going to address a little bit of an elephant in the room. Now, you've seen the movie, obviously, yes. right? Okay, yes, it's an yes. elephant in my room. <laughs> um, right. So 
it took me all these years to finally watch the movie. And right. I, I don't want MASH fans getting mad at me, but I was bored. I did not think that it was funny. And I actually turned it off about halfway through. And right. I was right. so surprised at that. Like, do you get these conflicting opinions about show versus movie? Well, there are a lot of serious film fans who adore the film and they dismiss the series. It really depends on what you're looking for. Um, because the serious, you know, uh, Robert Altman fans see the series as an abomination of this serious, politically messaged film. Um, even though there were plenty of politics involved in the writing of the TV series. Um, but you're right. There is a darkness to the film that is absolutely not in the TV show, um, mm -hmm. which is why, which is why I do not cover the movie in my three information panels out there. The, what we celebrate at the MASH site is the TV show, not the movie, because the movie is a bit of a downer. Um, it is a good movie. I think it won an Oscar for something. I don't remember. Um, Robert Altman is considered a great American director, but you are correct that these are two very different entities. And even though the movie was shot there, and even though it was the movie that gave birth to the TV show, they, they are two very different animals. And so I keep them separated. I, I felt mm -hmm. that trying to include the movie at the set in all the information panels would just cause confusion because so few people have seen it. And the TV yeah. show is beloved on a worldwide basis, and the movie is not. So, so my apologies to the fans of the film, but we, <laughs> we decided to go with what the, 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 the masses really were wanting to celebrate, enjoy, and come see, which is the TV show. Right, right. And I, I'm glad I saw it, though. I mean, I didn't stick through the whole thing, but I'm glad I saw it just so that I had some level of comparison. But I'll, I'll right. stick to watching my episodes every day. <laughs> and, right, exactly. Um, you yeah. know, now let me, let me ask you, too, because um, there's so much to see there, but you also, um, at Nalibu Creek State Park, there's this whole history of other films that have been right. filmed there, not and not just the TV show MASH. Can you talk a little bit about like it, its background because people can see, you know, and 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 understand that they're standing in a place that's just more than one filming location. Absolutely, uh, where MASH was filmed uh, at the time was the 20th Century Fox Ranch. It was their location shooting ranch. Uh, and these were commonly held by studios uh, in, the, in the hills outside Los Angeles. In my immediate neighborhood, in fact, literally right across the street from the 20th Century Fox Ranch, was the Paramount Pictures Ranch. Now, each of these ranches, the Fox Ranch was about 2,000 acres. These are large pieces of land. Uh, the Paramount Ranch was 2,700 acres. And the Warner Brothers Ranch, that's about 10 minutes away, uh, I believe was also 1,500 to 2,000 acres. So these are enormous parcels where they would set up sets and do big scenes with horses and, and all kinds of stuff. Um, but what's interesting, though, is that, the, uh, is that the studio sold the land to the state park system in 1974 while the, uh, while the show was still running. 
In fact, the show had only been on for two years when the when the land was sold to the state park. So, so as of 1970, now it took about two years for 20th Century Fox to remove all the other infrastructure, all the sets, all the storage buildings. There was a helipad out there, all kinds of other stuff that had to be removed uh, for public safety purposes before it could be opened as a state park. So during that two-year transition, uh, it was still closed to the public. But as of 1976, and MASH was really barreling you know, uh, high in the ratings at this point um, – because it would run for another six years, so that was you know that was only halfway into the show's run when that area was open to the public. The public could walk out there and watch the the TV show being shot at no charge because it was a public park, and all you had to do is just stand on the periphery and not get in the way of the camera shots and not get in the way of the crew, and you could absolutely go out there and stand and watch Mash being filmed. And it's it's quite a remarkable thing because that's really tough to do these days. Wow. Um, an odd question, are because especially since you said that there's this long walk before you actually get to the filming site, are there yep. facilities for people <laughs> like once they get to the site? You know, that long no, walk, yeah. you're drinking a lot of water. <laughs> No, that's that's it's uh, uh, especially on hot days. I make sure that the front page of the park website on any day that goes above 90 degrees, I put a giant red band across the top uh, and I put heat warning. Please make sure you bring a wide brim hat and plenty of water when you're visiting the park. And that applies to everyone going to every part of the park, not just the mash set. Um, But no, the mash set is so remote that there's no restrooms. There's no running water. And thank God I put up the shade structure because at least there's some shade and you can cool off uh, before you start your hour long or, well, usually 45 minute walk back to the car. Um, but uh, there are, there are porta potties at several locations on the way out there typically, um, but no running water and no nothing like that. Um, which is part of the reason why I think that the park volunteer group left the site alone for those 25 years is because most park volunteers, most of the docents are older retired women and they want shade. They want running water and they want a bathroom. And I totally understand that. (laughs) So, so you throw a site at them that has none of those three things and they don't want to touch it. So that's probably part of the reason why the site (laughs) completely overgrew itself during those 25 years. They just didn't want to deal with it. So, and that's fine. Um, so, but it just it just gave us an opportunity later on down the line to bring this thing back. Um, and the challenge, though, is that because it is in the backcountry of the park, it is still not easy to reach, even for the maintenance vehicles. They still have to unlock a gate and drive in a fairly long road. No, not not super long. It's about a five minute drive, but it's still a fifteen minute walk if you come in through the service road. Um, and at some point, it's possible that they may put a porta potty out there, and they could easily put out, you know, one of those portable sinks with running water and stuff like that. Um, but we want to do everything we can to try to keep it looking like it was during filming. And if we start putting, you know, porta potties and stuff like that out there, it's not going to look as good to fans, and they might complain, and we get it. So. But you did say in terms of the porta potties, like maybe not on the walk to there, but maybe prior to that, there there are some you said scattered around in the parks. Absolutely. Oh sure. In fact there's uh at the main trailhead when you park your car in the main parking lot, 
there is a formal bathroom building right there with two restrooms and, and, and actual walls and everything. Um, so, and there's drinking fountains there and all that type of good stuff. So, at, so after you leave there, though, about halfway, uh, about, a little bit less than the halfway point of the walk, there are also a couple porta potties, and I think another ten minutes after that, there's I think there's one more after that, and then at that point you're truly in the back country. So, yeah. Okay. <laughs> so plan accordingly. Now that also, <laughs> yeah. So so that uh, that also brings up another thing that uh, that I should probably mention to you is that over the years fans have asked. Uh, when are the tents and the buildings coming back? And I, even though I am now a MASH fan and I am in charge of, of public education at the site and stuff like that, um, I don't want the buildings to come back because the set was quite a bit smaller than people remember seeing on TV, and that is absolutely normal. Um, for example, we think in our mind's eye that it was maybe several hundred feet from the swamp to the uh, operating room, to the hospital building. It was 13 feet, okay? Um, so mm-hmm. if I put those buildings back up and people see how small the set really was, they're not going to like it very much. So we are leaving the buildings down. Um, it also becomes a thing where well-meaning fans will start to strip the buildings of materials, of canvas, of signage, of stuff like that because they want a, they want a souvenir, and so if we mm-hmm. give them a souvenir, they're going to take it. And so there's a, that's another good reason not to put the buildings back up. So, Is there any place to get a MASH park souvenir? Uh, yes, there are a few items in the visitor center that's uh, just under the halfway point. Well, I would say in the, it takes about 15 minutes to reach the uh, visitor center as, you are, as you're walking toward the MASH site. It's kind of on the way. Um, uh, there is some stuff in there. We are working on T-shirts that are site-specific. So instead of just a I'm a MASH fan T-shirt, um, it's going to acknowledge the fact that I was at the 4077th shooting site, and it's going to have you know something more specific to that. So we're almost done with those, so those are coming. Um, let me think. There's a book called Three Magical Miles out there that uh, is a, it covers the entire Fox Ranch, and it has about 400 photos but it also covers the, the deeply historic area that's adjacent to Fox Ranch. It's a really interestingly deep historical area out there. Um, and so that book is available, and that has pictures of the, of the MASH TV show and a lot of Fox movies and a lot of Paramount Ranch movies, and it's quite a book. Um, so let me think, what else is out there? Uh, what is also coming – well, actually, I shouldn't say what's coming. I should say what we are trying to get done um, is augmented reality at the site where you will be able to walk out with your and put your smartphone or your tablet on camera view. You see the natural setting of the old set in front of you. You push a button, and the buildings and the tents appear as digital overlays on the live view that you're looking at on your screen. Um, and that allows you to actually walk around the old set, and the buildings will turn, and you can go behind things, and you can see various angles. Um, so 20th Century Fox has said that they want to do this. We just have to get it done. Um, but it's that quite expensive. That would be so be- cool. Yes, it would be, absolutely. That would be like the ultimate interpretation, as they say, because all of a sudden the set isn't there, but it's in digital form on your, on your screen as you're walking around. And that'd be amazing. We would love to do that. Now, so if anyone, I talked from, about if anyone it from being... 20th Century Fox is listening, yes, call me. 
<laughs> and fans should also let 20th Century Fox know that they would want something like this because I think it would be cool That'd if be. you're not going to put the actual buildings up to be able to envision them on your phone in front of you and go, yeah, exactly. that's what was here. I think it brings the site alive so much more. Yes, absolutely. You betcha. Yep. Now, the um, – 50th anniversary of the movie is this year, and the 50th anniversary okay. of the show is two years from now. So right. are there any plans on doing anything for the 50th anniversary of the show? It would be lovely to get cast back out there again, uh, but we have to realize that they are now 80-plus in most cases. Um, and so it was, it was doable when they were in their late sixties and early seventies, but now they're almost all of them are past 80 years old and that is challenging. And, and as you probably know, Alan Alda has Parkinson's, uh, so his travel is going to be much more limited now. Um, so I have a feeling that we're going to do some sort of a, I know there'll be a celebration. Absolutely. But will we be able to get cast members there? I think the, the best thing that we can hope for, I think, is that Jeff Maxwell, uh, our favorite chef, has agreed to come out and don a chef's hat and serve food if we barbecue out there. So if we do something for fans, it would be great to have them come out and pay a small fee and get fed on one day um, by Jeff Maxwell. That would be terrific. It would be amazing. Um, and then maybe even that evening, uh, although it'd be tricky for crowd control, we might show some episodes on a large screen. Uh, some of the episodes uh, that were shot at the the outdoor set, at the outdoor set itself, so that you can see the mountains in the background as you're sitting there watching watching the show, which would be really fun too. Oh, absolutely. Um, I, I could talk to you, like I said, being a super fan, I can talk to you for hours, but I know that you have sure. a job to do and you are a I busy do. man. And why don't you let, and I'm going to let you go, but why don't you let our listeners know where they can keep up on all of this stuff and find out more information about the park? Sure. It's, it's real simple. It's MalibuCreekStatePark.org. That's the primary information dissemination site and it sounds very governmental when I say that, but that's a that's the primary source. <laughs> Terrific. And um, it down the road, if you do that 50th anniversary, I would love to have you come back on the show and talk about it because I still plan on going in two years. So, you know, sure. I would love to have you come back if there's any plans going on. And, Brian, thank you so much for being a part of Real Travels today. I really enjoyed our interview. No problem. My pleasure, Lisa. Oh, do we have to stop talking about MASH? Thank you, Brian. Thank you, EJ. Are you as big of a MASH fan as I am? I'd love to hear from you what you thought about this episode, if you've ever actually been to Malibu Creek State Park, and just anything that you feel about the movie or the TV show. I'd love to hear from you. You can reach out to me on Twitter at Virgin Traveler or DM me on Instagram at The Virgin Traveler. I also have a Real Travels page on Facebook, so there's plenty of ways to keep up with what's going on with me and plenty of ways to reach out to me. So on that note, I'll be back next week with another episode of Real Travels. And I didn't do it this week, but I will be back with another podcaster or YouTuber of the week. In the meantime, thank you so much for stopping by and listening, and have a great traveling week. Mm-hmm.